Okay. Okay. Um, all right, let me go ahead and uh, see if it'll record. This call is now being recorded. Yeah, it sounds like that says that it never records. But we got yours going, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. All right, so uh, welcome to our show, Master Blaster Podcasters, putting this information on blast. Uh, that's our theme that we haven't said in a while. Uh, welcome to our show again. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Dirty Mouth is here on the other end. Yes. Up in Anchorage, Alaska, Juneau, Alaska, excuse me. Um, I have family from Anchorage. Um, and I am Dylan here in Chicago. We're going to talk about American terrorism today, which Kimmy said is domestic terrorism. I was trying to create, and what we were trying to do is create a new sort of theme around terrorism, which is basically using violence and uh, different forms of violence to get people to comply to your ideas uh, or to what you want to do. Now, I was, we were originally trying to make this a theme of like political terrorism, financial terrorism, and basically violent terrorism. Now, the, the definition of terrorism technically has violence in there. There has to be violence. If, uh, I guess like we could try to create our own term for uh, terrorism and describing things. But what we're going to get into is the alarming and growing rate of violence that is being used by the right-wing extremist uh, constituents, basically, to try to get their political point across rather than using democracy. Uh, and also, too, we're going to highlight the backing up of this violence, of these violent actions in the form of January 6th and the Charlottesville protests and uh, many of the courts, the mass muscle mass shootings that we've talked about previously, which uh, there is certainly a, uh, the people that are committing those acts as far as the mass shootings, some of them are politically motivated. In fact, a lot of them are uh, towards one side. And we're going to talk about how a lot of these right-wing politicians are dangerously egging them on and basically saying, yeah, we're going to take our country back. Using different types of, uh, what was mean for the victims uh, of a democratic voting system to have people that back them up go out and act of violence and scare people into either not voting or whatever the situation is. Now, Jerry, let's get into this. Let's talk about some of the obvious examples of American terrorism that we want to cover on this episode that we've experienced. Uh, number one is, and I know you've heard this, talking about Trump especially. We say him a lot because he's really trying to weaponize violent terrorism into getting people to basically not vote. It's not enough that they're trying to uh, district different areas to make it tougher for, uh, I guess, uh, some groups to, to go out and vote, basically taking an area. 
And instead of having three voting booths in a certain area where there's mostly minorities, they'll split it down to one so that you have to wait hours upon hours to actually get there. They're trying to change the curriculum and, and the, the evidence that you need to support your American citizen to vote. And now what we're hearing a lot too is Trump saying, hey, you know what, go and show up on voting day. And he did this in 2020. Yeah. And why don't you monitor the voting lines and see who's, I mean, maybe he confronts people there, usually an American citizen, which is laughable because how, how would you know just by looking at somebody? It's just another way of uh, trying to target somebody based off of their, probably their color of their skin. I can't imagine how else you'd be able to target them. Uh, but how, how have you heard of these acts of attempted terrorist acts to stop people from voting, uh, certainly, obviously, in one way or another. Yeah, I mean, I have. I called my... <clears throat> I called my representative and called my... Uh, I called the... Uh, I called, not the city council, but I called the... Um, I called the... Yeah, Representative uh, Senator uh, Murkowski who, of Alaska, who's been actually, at times she's been pretty, um, she's been pretty uh, objective to some of Trump's things, but um, yeah, I just, I called who I can, and I called the city, I called City Hall, because um, uh, we have voting boosters, or, you know, close to me, and uh, I just, you know, I was concerned, so I was like, you're gonna have, like, cops there, because Trump just ordered, you know, he just, he just, he just asked that people go out and, you know, vote, or, uh, watch, uh, poll watch. And there were, there were, like, incidents around the country where this, this really happened. Uh, and it's totally, I believe that's illegal. Uh, Victor Outlaw, that, that can move. 20s or 30s, but um, yeah, it's just it's, it's bullshit and it's uh, very fascist and uh, it's it's scary because it's just like you know you can't say democracy and then have poll watchers during a voting you know you know near a voting booth. So. You know, you mentioned that it's fascist, and a lot of people are saying that Trump and his that is little corner is getting smaller and smaller and smaller as time goes on and it's slowly trying to acclimate their voters to the acceptance of fascism. So whether it's restricting voting or uh, saying, hey, you know, I wish my people would uh, salute me the way that they do in North Korea. Or, boy, how about if I serve multiple terms? Uh, oh, well, we get to work democracy. We don't have to show up for uh, subpoenas, which are you know, I'm not saying that every politician shows up for every subpoena, um, but boy, do they subpoena a lot of people when they when they got in charge. Um, what do you think about the? And it seems like the people on the right slowly start to accept this. It's okay to use violent measures to to try to get a point across rather than democracy. And these are the people that are supposedly the constitutionalists, right, who, who obey the constitution when it comes to when it comes down to it. Seems like they're whatever it takes to stay in power. And the horrible thing is that the people that are voting for them seem to be okay with any measures that are taken for them to stay in power. Do you see the slow, uh, basically the, the slow, anticipated acceptance 
or the, the right wing trying to get their their party, especially their voters, slowly to be okay with different types of fascist behavior in government. Oh yeah, it, it, I don't know if it was. I don't know. I think it took a lot of people pretty fast. Um, kind of like this. For somebody who's like just a bigot, like it was a, a, a sigh of relief for them. So they took to it and, uh, you know, basically had somebody to represent them, represent them in office. So, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I think they took to it pretty good and pretty fast, uh, and pretty obvious. Especially that, uh, during that, that, uh, that one on the, on the campaign trail in 2015 where he went to Chicago, that was like a shit show. And there were like thousands of people, sh you know, showed up. And, uh, and then you had the people inside who were like, you know, beating the fuck out of people. So. You know, something I found very alarming for the whole Russia case thing was happening. Um, which is very confusing because it's very obvious that Russia did intervene in our elections. It's obvious that they used lobby to try to sway the sides towards Donald Trump. Um, I don't know how the administration, I know that a couple of people in his administration did go down. Mm -hmm. um, that wacko general guard guy, I can't think of Flynn. Yeah, he was the first one to go down to that month. Right. Uh, which is the fastest. Any, I'm not sure what his title was, Secretary of Defense or something like that. Right. Um, but uh, as soon as Trump got in office, he, he, he blocked in uh, Russian intel in there and right. showed them around and basically gave them a tour of, of the White House. Just them. And just them. And something I thought was disgusting is the voters, the Republican voters were like, did they put a poll question out in, I think it was Rasmussen or one of the major poll, polling companies. Like, are you okay if Russia intervened in the election and the Republicans? 40% said, yeah, I'm okay with it as long as it's for our side. Right. It's pretty disturbing when you hear those kind of things. Because that is actually people being okay with using, um, undemocratic, un-American and fascist ways to try to keep power and to try to get things done politically, I just, it really is, it's topsy-turvy. Everything is on its, its opposite from the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, up to the Republican Party. And folks out there, listen, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to tie these, we're going to talk about mass shootings a little bit as it relates to the subject. We're going to talk about January 6th, which is the ultimate terrorist act to try to overthrow the government, and it just happened. And a lot of these things are happening. People talk about them. They get swept up on the right when another massive thing happens shortly after that. Also, the protests. We'll talk a little bit about the protests, about uh, how violence breaks out and, and how one side seems to be more violent than the other. You can agree, disagree, but we'll talk about it. We're trying to tie this all together into what's going on right now. So that's why we've already done a podcast on mass shootings. We've mentioned January 6th repeatedly in these because I think it's, it needs to be hammered home how, how negative that was for our country and what signs basically, uh, signs you can see towards one side is, is basically trying to move towards this ultra violent 
non-democratic way of staying in power and how illegal that is, how un-American it is, and how scary it is from supposed constitutionalism. Yeah. Um, so that's why yeah. he mentioned this over and over again. Um, Attorney, let's talk about, I guess we can start, start talking about a little bit, because I know we've covered this in the past. Let's talk about maybe January 6th, if you want to veer up into another topic. Feel free. But that was the ultimate, so you talk about a coup organized by Trump, knowing that he probably wasn't going to win the election, knowing he was going to try to say that it was fake, uh, that it was a rigged election. This whole thing, it, it, it just kind of reminds me of a, a pre, premeditated murder. The whole thing was premeditated, and it's still going on. Um, how can we tie together January 6th with an ultimate act of terrorism related to who was conducting it, who was involved, and who led it? I, everything just points at uh, Trump. Um, he was talking to, I believe, the leader of the Proud Boys, or he was communicating somehow, and then, uh, or no, uh, who's the guy with the eye patch? Uh, oh, yeah, the Dirty Twister? Yeah, no, not Roger Stone, but Roger Stone was in connection. He was, I think, talking to somebody within the you know, in his team of of people. Uh, I hate that. Are you talking about Crenshaw? Are you Crenshaw with the eye patch? No, not that guy. Uh, the guy who was in the, um, in the, uh, is it Three Percenters? Or no, Patriot. No, not Patriot Front. Um, anyway, there's a guy who went down. He had an eye patch. I can't remember his fucking name. Uh, Are you part of the right wing uh, yeah, he's a leader. Uh, Rhodes, Stuart Rhodes, yeah. Uh, he just got prosecuted a couple months ago. Um, and, you know, he was, he was, he was talking, I think he was actually talking to Trump directly. Um, there, there's a video of like Roger Stone, Stuart Rhodes, uh, Tario, the guy, the head of the Proud Boys, and this other chick who's like a, she's like a right-wing nut. Um, anyway, they, there's video of them because there was a documentary crew hanging out. Because, you know, you, I thought that was kind of odd. There's a documentary crew hanging out with them as they're doing all these, you know, they're committing treasonous acts. And, um, there, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things connected, uh, you can find a lot of traces of uh, law enforcement, like rogue law enforcement, rogue, like currently serving or veterans, you know, connected. Um, it, it just, it, there's just tons of, tons of groups that are connected. It was all intertwined. Is it, is it Bumble? Or what's that shit they use? Uh, so the, uh, these are not the application with a, Connected and playing stuff out. Yeah, they used they. That was like a big. That was like a hot app where people were communicating through that. Because I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's protected, like so that everything is uh, supposedly protected, you know, security protected. But uh, yeah, well, man, it was, it was, it was all a shit show. And there was even cops. I mean, there were cops that were beat, and that's fucked up. But then you have to. Some of the cops were taking selfies with. 
with these people. Like, and then you found out that, uh, what else was the big connecting factor? Um, that... military cops. Uh, there's connecting pieces as far as, like, uh, somebody was giving, uh, at the head of the Proud Boys or some people that were in the, in the riots, tours of the Capitol building the day before. That's when they started investigating inside job. That somebody helped that politicians were actually, uh, I think Marjorie Taylor Green's yeah, name was mentioned. Lauren Volbert, uh, she was giving tours. She was the first person that reported to be with a group of people, which is very odd. Uh, doesn't happen. Um, and there's all these, there's a lot of evidence towards a lot of people that they haven't really, like, pursued or anything. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, you had Flynn's brother. Uh, he's the one that held back the uh, National Guard. Um, they were just hanging out waiting. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, you yeah. people are... Well, you, well we, can, we can quickly go through these, because I know that we, we talked about these uh, at length in previous episodes. We'll just we try to hit up on these topics to see if we have anything new to say about it. Uh, but it all does make and tie together. Just like these, we're trying to make these episodes kind of like The Conjuring. And Annabelle and, and uh, mm-hmm. with the nun, and, and they all tie together. All of these American democracy, which we're going to do at some point, the January 6th, uh, this American terrorism, uh, together with stuff that we talk about in daily news, it all ties together in one big scary new American theme of democracy doesn't matter, uh, violence is the way to get things done. Now, how about this? Uh, for years, men pissed off at Democratic politicians for being weak sometimes, mm-hmm. for not stepping on the throat of the other party, but you are right and you have them as a position that you want. You step on their neck. And basically, now there's nothing you can do for voters that are okay with siding with Russia. There's nothing you can do for voters who are like, uh, I don't care about what the truth is. I just don't like abortion, and no matter what the president does, I'll always vote Republican because of that one issue. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, but there's nothing you can do if you have the ambiance off a little bit about this. But it, it, it's about the difference of the politicians. There's nothing you can do if you have the ex-president uh, who's got four indictments who every single day goes after members of the prosecuting party. Yeah. And, and we're talking about how violence has been used. I mean, they just had the Pelosi, having the Pelosi trial right now with Paul Pelosi, who somebody showed up his door with a hammer and, and really wanted to kill, besides January 6th, really wanted to go after his wife, Pelosi. They tried to actually go into her home and seeing like they, they police information on Obama about his home an hour later to somebody there with a gun. Right. Um, so you have, then again, you have Trump sitting there saying all this stuff, and he's, nothing's happening to him. He's had a $10,000 fine, a $15,000 fine, a $1,000 fine. The fucker should be in jail. He's in solitary. He's just like, and when you have people who have done a lot less in courtrooms that get put away, right. uh, that, uh, 
are held in contempt of court and go out to jail. Uh, it's just disgusting when you see what he's allowed to do. And I'm so pissed off at these fucking judges. The, the, uh, the, not the New York judge about the civil trial, but the, the Georgia judge, he should be in a Georgia, he should be spending nights in that Georgia jail cell. And I think he's being witty by not putting him away. And it makes, right. it makes Democrats look weak. I know she's a judge, I know she's not a politician. You're, you're a little tired of, Republicans pushing the spectrum as far as they can, daring you know Democrats to hold them accountable. And time and time again, they don't. Right. They don't. Uh, nothing. Nothing in the system. I, I. I don't know. Like when he was was in Georgia, where he went in and got fingerprinted, and then he got to leave, and it was just like, what is this? Like, what's the point of this? Um, and then go afterwards, go talk shit. And, and it's like, I, I don't know anybody who has this luck except for like, you know, maybe Al Capone during the, during the 30s where he, you know, he, he had free reign over Chicago, but I, I, it just makes it, <clears throat> when people say it's a law, it's like kind of a joke now because like, what does that mean? Like this guy should be in contempt and then, but to contemplate the, re, the, contemplate how people will react it's like what what the fuck is that like that don't care about any other crime in the reaction but this guy is like protected <clears throat> i mean yeah, it's weird it, yeah it sets a precedent that justice is not equal whenever american citizens can see this yeah because we're all held to certain standards, whether or not we're out public, whether or not we're at our jobs, whether or not we're with our friends and families. When we constantly see injustice and the people committing the injustice is not being held accountable, it really does something about your belief and faith in the system. Mm. So call it what you want. Justice, what comes around, karma is not really the right word, but anything okay. that involves people being held accountable that isn't happening right. it makes people angry number one number yeah. two it makes people lose faith in the system it, there is no faith anymore like people you know Bernie Sanders had to break up the guy who was uh, the head of the unions and that one Republican douchebag I think from Oklahoma or whatever and they got into a fight and it's just like it's the joke oh, and he's like come on people don't believe in this as it is people don't they don't take this shit seriously, and it's like, we don't. There's no reason to. Uh, you, you vote for some of these people, and then you hope that they represent your community or your district or whatever, and it's like you find out they're paid off, and it's like, you know, it's really, it's getting, there's like this, it's getting thinner and thinner, the, the you know, the faith we have in, in the system at all. Like, when anything good happens, it should be celebrated. But it's a fucking joke, man, and it's 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 crazy. I uh, and I understand people who are poor, and I understand working class issues and all that. But it's just um, and you know, but it's it's these people react. There's a lot of people who are just I I can't believe just really naive about things, basic things. Uh, you know, people all of a sudden are fucking. Uh, they're a lawyer all of a sudden, you know, or they, they're a doctor all of a sudden. Everybody takes it upon themselves to 
do what the fuck ever and you just become very delusional and react on it. And it's, it's, uh, it's now, it goes from a joke to now it's like serious and it's affecting people's lives. Like, and it's, you know, it's just, it, 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 you, either the Karen shit or the vigilante shit or the mass shooting shit. There's all these things that like nowadays your words matter more than ever because some freak will fucking get inspired. You don't even have to be famous. You don't even have to be put out there. But if somebody even gets a sniff of of an, a good idea, quote, unquote, they're going to fucking try it out at least. All these mass murders, and I'm not trying to go off into mass shooting, but, but they use their manifestos. They pass them along. They're like, they're like informational, you know, they're, they're uh, informational Bibles for shooters in, in, in it's like, you know, there's a lot of terrorist manifestos in these, you know, and it's like they study these things and they fucking, they learn and then they do it, you know, uh, they become more successful or, you know, more inspired and it's just, it's fucking dangerous and they're doing nothing about it. Like there's this, you know, it's, it's like these people in January 6th are, you know, finally, you know, they're fi- it's like a, it's like a toilet that's been clogged. Like finally, there's people going down. Um, but it's like, you know, you saw the guy who was that, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the mega shaman or whatever the fuck he's called, douchebag. Um, yeah, with the with the animal hair around his yeah. shoulders and the the Viking hat. Yeah, failed. You know, you'll find a lot of similarities in a lot in that whole group is is like fake, like failed actors or failed people, like people or or successful, you know. Uh, uh, business owners, but like a lot of failed actors I know. Is, or people within the entertainment industry or big business, you know, and it's, it's fucking, it's, it's weird. And, but, uh, they feel like the, the, the most vulnerable group in this country. And, you know, it's just like, it's, it's crazy. And they're ruining our fucking, ruining our lives slowly. Not to mention, uh, you talk about the types of people that were at January 6th. They're also fake tough guys. Right. Because when they were together as, as a gang, as a group, they were tough as could be and yelling at the cameras. Right. And, your ass. and then you get them up in front of the jury. Crying. And they're crying like little pussies. It reminds me of everything that Trump, this is what people don't understand about Trump. All the shit that he tweets, he says about 5 to 10% of it, him or his lawyers, say about 5 to 10% of this when they get in front of a jury. But it could actually be because uh, if you actually try to say this in front of uh, in front of the judge or an official court case, then if you're lying about it, well, then uh, then you think you're in trouble, uh, or they can cross-examine you and prove you wrong, then you're in trouble. If you're so tough to get all these things to say, you have all this evidence, right. you would present it to the judge, you would present it to a court so it could be official. Some guys actually have to back up what they say, yeah. not just say things out in in. Uh, and whatever their social media platform is, they actually will say it in the courtroom because they'll put their ass on the line and say, this is true and this is why I'm saying it in a situation where uh, somebody could prove me wrong or should be trouble. Uh, but you mentioned mass shootings earlier. That is actually our next topic. We'll try to keep this original from some of the things we said before. We've mentioned that a whole 
topic of gun control in one of our previous episodes, a mass shooting that does tie into American terrorism uh, for obvious reasons. Look at the amount of mass shootings and how they've increased over the past 20 years. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's horrific. And it's become the way that right-wing extremists try to get their point across. I understand that this is a small amount, but it's a small amount that's that amount bigger that people are on the left, how they're dealing with their with their uh, opinions, how they're trying to get their opinions out. They're voting. They're actually going out there and, and protesting. <clears throat> There's something that they are peacefully protesting. And by the way, I, I can't, I'm, I'm researching these, ep- these episodes, period, and I don't have access to all the information. I can't find one violent outbreak from Antifa, and the right wing keeps mentioning Antifa and Antifa. We have all these mass shootings with the right wing wackos. I can't, I can't find anything where anybody's died in an Antifa protest mm. where they've gone after people on the right wing and killed somebody. Have you? No, they don't use guns. Well, that's not true. There was, uh, during the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse thing, there was a guy who had a pistol, um, but for the mo- but he never shot it. No, he shot it at him. But yeah, for the most part, they're like 90% usually nonviolent. The only time there's violence is you'll find that a, <clears throat> a cop who's uh rogue, you know, will act and do things. Or you'll see like cops openly just, like you have a cop that drops off bricks to make it look like somebody who had access to bricks was supplying ammo to... uh to Black Lives Matter protests or Antifa didn't happen. Um, it's just, it's just, there's a lot of shit, but for the most part, it's it, they're only there <clears throat> because they're like the makeshift security. Because the cops, a lot of times, they just they just uh, turn, you know, they they just don't look, they don't pay attention, they just let the shit happen, uh, the violence. So yeah, it's 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 a lot of it. It's it's bullshit. They keep using that shit. Uh, that, you know, the, the boogeyman, and it's, there's no, there's no proven evidence. You can look, you can go to the FBI, uh, website, you can, they don't, they don't have it. They put them on terrorist lists, but there's no evidence that they, they're a terrorist, they're a threat. So all right, we know that, we know that there were fires in Portland. Right. We know that there was property that was damaged. They yeah. do go after property, the same property. Uh, there have been buildings, and the thing is, I don't know if that was specifically Antifa people, or if it was just, how you get some college kids that are drunk. I mean, some of them will get violent, some, you know, um, men. So when you talk about Wisconsin, you're talking about Portland, right. I, I don't know those, I know that there was violence at those. There are violent people, but there are times they, sorry, they come in from other towns, they get inspired, and, it, and it's also one of those moments where they get, they want to just wreak havoc, and act crazy and they're not really there for the initial reason of, you know, to promote, uh, you know, stopping cop violence and murder. They go and they just want to destroy shit. So it's either like a, either like an infiltrated cop or a fucking just an asshole that wants to, that just doesn't care about the repercussions of his actions or her actions and, you know, just wants to break shit, throw shit at cops, like, shit like that. So... Right, now both groups do claim that, that there's infiltration either by buffing in people to different uh, protests or 
Uh, people claim to be on the other side. They function up just so that one group can get blamed for that. Both sides, I don't know how much evidence there is of that. Both sides purport that to be part of the situation when it comes to uh, protests and a violent breakout. Yeah. Who's responsible for started it? Um, yeah, going a little further along the, the mass shooting part, you said that there's there's manifestos out there that those guys put. I mean, a lot of some of the stuff is public. A lot of these guys mm-hmm. put this on social media before they enacted it. And it's, you know, the yeah. funny thing is, is that um, I know that they use social media to when it comes to. I, I'm going to talk a little bit about gangs later on as part of American terrorism, separate yeah. from politics, really, but. You know, a lot of some of that stuff goes on YouTube, and that's how some of those people get caught if they're in uh, in a violent encounter. I know that uh, in my neighborhood there was about sixty different gang members shooting at each other a few years back, and was captured yeah. from somebody at the, the fourth floor of one of these buildings. They put it on YouTube, uh, but I mean, a lot of this stuff is posted on social media. The difference is, is that. I know YouTube is more of a public forum. You can have private accounts, but right. we haven't gotten a lot of you know, a lot of uh, okays. I guess the, the, the big one I think of is Elon Musk when you talk about uh, not willing to release accounts to stop terrorism. Uh, no, and he supposedly no. is is very uh, you know it's all about privacy unless somebody makes it. A clip about him that he doesn't like, right. and all of a sudden it becomes public, and he he kicks them off the forum. Right. Everyone else, privacy is of the utmost. Uh, he, he's I don't need to go too much into a side thing about him. He might be more on our daily news show than we do, but the anti-Semitic comments that that guy makes, he's, he's such racist and shit that yes, like yes. Um, he's someone that should not be in control of anybody else for any situation. Now you think of, you, I'm not saying he doesn't have any business acumen. You wouldn't think that, but he, uh, he, he created, uh, he re, he re-released a re, I don't know what you call it, revamped Twitter to become X. And even before that though, he, 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 it's like he let, he let the fucking floodgates open with bigots and let everybody who's shitty back on. Um, and then, like, that, that's also another thing that, you know, they had, they had, before they had, uh, they had moderators, and they would, you know, they would watch it, and it was, you know, it's kind of an issue because it's so much, so much negative and violent shit, but they had people watching that shit, and they were aware of it, and then he just got rid of them. He fired that, I think, department or staff, and, uh, so it's like this, you know, ongoing thing. He just, he just, Yesterday was like, like just not even, not even subtle. Just agreeing with this guy who made the most blatant anti-Semitic racist comment ever, and he goes, he praised the guy. You wanted like, but he's he he's a, he comes from fucking South Africa, he's African. Like he's a descendant of like another oppressive group of people. Like South Africa with the white people is like insane. Like there's. That's why you hear a Dutch accent, you know. It's just, he's, he's, he comes from racist bigotry in his family. His dad's a fucking famous, uh, diamond miner. Like, it's the most, like, racist thing going, you know, uh, industry going on in, uh, different, you know, African countries. And it's like, 
He comes from that. Like, he's a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, so we'll, we'll go off into a tangent on that. Jerry, uh, maybe we'll continue that in the news. Yeah. Uh, episode, uh, the three mass shootings. Um, there, there's an alarming amount of, of mass shootings that have happened, and it's the ultimate expression of, with January 6th is just another example of using violence to you can argue about that shootings, about how deeply political the people really are. Because when it comes down to it, you can argue what's more important, politics or violence. And in some of these people, violence is more important. Politics is just a means to, uh, is an example of using the means, to, uh, the ends to justify the means. The means of being you just want to be violent. You just want to kill some people. Because, uh, you know, at the, the core of it, some of these people... When you bring them in the ass, someone's like, I just wanted to shoot somebody. Right. That, that's part of, what, part of what they do. I just, I picked liberals because, you know, it's almost like they, you wonder if they really believe it or if it's one of those things where, as an example, like if you're a killer, you can make your mind think, oh, I didn't do it. If you tell yourself you didn't do it over and over again. I think some of these people on the right don't really believe all the stuff about the left. They just tell it to themselves over and over again. Yeah. And it allows them to get into this violent space and they can, like, this is okay. This is why I'm going out killing people. Really, there is no real reason. It's just that, it's just that they're human beings that never should have been born. I don't know how to say it, but it's like, if yeah. there's any excuse for, uh, if there's any excuse for a woman's right to choose besides the actual right to choose of, of their bodies. Um, people are talking about, oh, every life is dear and important. That was a lot of the human beings I see. Right. Uh, a lot of the human yeah. beings I see. I mean, to be a lot. I'm not saying it's the majority. But there's plenty of instances of just disgusting human beings that shouldn't have been born in the first place yeah. that allows me to believe it. Like, you know, I think people should have the right to choose. Anyway. Um, no, I agree with you. I think. Really? I was just saying, I agree with you. And to add to that, we live in a society where there is so many easy weapons to and tools for some for anybody who's a fucking halfwit, a dangerous halfwit who's violent, who's easily manipulative, to go and like just um, just cause havoc and and to ruin people's lives and destroy families. Like there's there's so many you know there's so many different tools to 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 aid these people and their fucking bullshit. Like, it's pretty, it's really fucking easy to get a gun. Uh, it's, 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 it's super easy to get, you know, uh, drugs and, you know, information on how to make bombs. And, you know, you have, like, the Anarchist Cookbook, which that guy who wrote it was, he's regretted ever since. But, like, you know, it's, it's just, there's too many, it's too, just too easy to fucking, to create a terrorist in our society. There's all these different avenues that, like, in, instead of a lot of good things, we have, I think, more, it seems more bad things ready and accessible, you know. Yeah, you know, we talked about, I think before we mentioned this, in one of our previous episodes about the difference of the meta American terrorism, and the reason why we call this American is because for years and years and years of years, uh, whether or not it's, you know, the Middle East, uh, uh, not, not Islamic people exactly, but, uh, Muslims, uh, in 9-11, or whether it's, 
uh, Asians with the the Kung flu, or uh, trying to think of other groups that have been uh, really marginalized. But it, it, there's a perception that our biggest threat comes from outside of our country. Now, Russia is a big threat. North Korea is a big threat. China is somewhat of a threat. Uh, if we stop giving them money, then, you know, maybe they'll be a little less of a, of a threat. Uh, at least we're if, not saying giving them money, but if China were, I guess we're heavily in debt with China for whatever right. that means. Um, but this is just to show that our biggest threat is from within. That the horrible thing is you could ask either side, I think, what the biggest threat is. I think that right now, if you ask uh, the left, like, what is the biggest threat? Uh, with, with, within or without, and I think that a lot of them would say, with, we, we are not on the same page within our own country. Uh, they would point to some of these examples that you and I are talking about on the show, and you'd have people on the right side, they would certainly say liberals are the biggest problem with the country. The difference, though, is that with liberals, that goes way back. I mean, you can go back to the 80s, or you can actually go back to the 60s. 60s, um, yeah. Where? Yeah, with uh, the hippie movement is the government and Nixon and all these people thought like, wow, this is like, this is the big thing that uh, that we don't need in our country to be anti-war, to be uh, to open up things for, for minorities and women, to have uh, freedom of uh, you know equality acts with employment. Uh, whether or not it's with women with different positions, with people attaining CEO positions, having opportunities. Uh, so you go way, way far back as to when the elite right, not elite as far as brain power, elite as far as how long they've been in control of the country. And the, further, the problem is with this country, when you're talking about the elite being in control, the further back that people are in control, as much as we talk about Elon Musk, the more disgusting it is, is the more further you go back. Right. There's the old money in this country. You know what it is? Old tobacco money. Old cotton money. Yeah. Old, uh, I don't, I, I'm trying to do the other crops, uh, the other ways to make money. There is certainly, uh, talking about gangs later, going back to prohibition, which basically created, it exploded, gangs exploded after that. Right. So, uh, the older you go back into our country, the more, as far as, People being rich and being in control is really kind of disgusting because it's all about slave labor. You know, it's easy to be successful when people are working for free for you. That's why you have all this, these rich southern families in, in their heritage. And some of it, that's where it comes from. So as, as time goes by, all these families that were once rich and prosperous, some of them stay rich and prosperous. Others that aren't, though, look around and they're blaming women, they're blaming minorities. All these equal opportunities, this is the problem. No, the fact is, you weren't that fucking smart to begin with. Your family and your bloodline, and they shouldn't have been rich in the first place. Yeah. And you had a little time span where you were lucky to have the wealth and, and have the power that you did. But then when it comes to other people actually stepping up and taking that power away, uh, rightly, democratically, when you're talking about a capitalist business system, where the, the best, the brightest ideas will survive and thrive, they don't like that. And that's what they try to rip the rules. Right. So I'm saying that, uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm guessing you would agree with that, but what do you think? I totally agree. Um, <clears throat> we just live in a, in a, we live in a society that was, uh, <clears throat> that's successful because it was, uh, you know, made on the backs of people. Who works for it, you know, who, who built this shit and, 
Uh, you know, you have the, the colonizers who benefited from it, and you know, and designed things, you know, but yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, a, you can see a lot of, uh, people having a, they're having an issue with other groups or other, you know, nationality, other ethnicities of people coming up. Um, so it's, it's a matter of like, you know, they, they can't handle change, they can't handle evolution. So, so they, um, so they, they get mad and buy a gun and they take it out. <laughs> but, so. Yeah, so much for the bootstrap theory, because these are the people that they, they don't want to give the public, uh, the public, uh, uh, you know, organizations, just things that are going to actually help single moms, things right. that are going to help, help people that are financially destitute or are living in poor areas. They're like, oh, you gotta, you got to institute the bootstrap theory. you got to do this from the You know what says that? Rich people. Rich yeah. people have, have, have things given to them. And this is a completely, totally different topic. One example, because I'm a big sports fan, there's nothing more disgusting than that. Longer I become a sports fan, I recognize how disgusting the owners of these franchises are. Oh my God! It's the modern day um, slavery, dude. Like the way they it is. treat black players. Um, so it's uh, it's 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 weird, and this attitude of like superiority, and they can do say whatever they want, um, and treat treat people like shit. And you know they use the players up, and then by the time their career's over. They they uh, they were never they don't they were just they used like fucking cattle you know or uh, oh my god like uh, horses you know and just yeah no that's just them. appropriate so yeah. it's, it's yeah, the funny weird. thing is, is yeah the ultimate the biggest business in sports by far is is football the NFL you know what is the funniest about football football institutes a socialist system to keep the business thriving and to keep Keep teams from being uh, too good, we'll say. Harder than other, if, if they put in self-protective systems to help the team from being bad, you can only spend so much money on your team. You can't overspend. There's a there's a uh, a ceiling on how much money you can spend. Uh, well, I forget what they call it. Um, it's I'm not gonna, I can't think of it right now. But it's basically when you the cap. Yeah. Have money. You can you can you can spend money on players, but you have to have fifty three players that you pay, and it has to all be within the team cap. You can only spend so much. That's to save them from themselves. That's to save. Yeah. That's to make sure that they have profitable businesses. Smart, fucking supposedly smart rich people. This is an inclusive way to to for the uh, business to say, hey, we're gonna make sure you're profitable because you know what, you might not do it on your own. That's how smart these people are, that they have to have. And basically, when you can sign someone to a contract to release them, there's guaranteed money and there's non-guaranteed money. The non-guaranteed money, even if you sign a contract, People, you can, you know, you can go online and you don't even have to even see this person, see your victim in person. You can, you can destroy their lives online, and and take out every personal thing about them, 
their finances, their health records, everything, and you can ruin somebody. You can, you can take things from social media, from whatever, uh, hack their files, and you can put it online, and that'll, you know, that'll be another effective way of destroying somebody nowadays. Well, that's what I meant, is destroying people's lives right. without actually putting a gun to their head. Right. We talked about some of that with income inequality, right. uh, with the rich multiplying and growing and hoarding the wealth, giving less and less to other people, the erosion of the middle class. All of these things are ways of terrorizing. And by the way, uh, the old George Carlin joke about, you talk about terrorism a little bit is uh, he said the, the lower class does uh, excuse me, the, the upper class does very little of the work makes all the money. The middle class does all the work makes little of the money and the lower class is there just to scare the shit out of the middle class. Right, yeah. Um, and I just mean like I just as, just as a personal note, I mean, I've traveled to in Chicago to a lot of poor areas working at hospitals and, and man I, I felt a lot of hatred from from people that connect me to something that I'm not connected to right. based off of I'm guessing my skin color. But uh so in his think about the, the lower classes that is getting the middle class is it's basically if you see how they live, you're talking about people that are destitute and poor. When you're going into poor areas if you're a certain uh uh, ethnicity or skin color, you certainly will not be welcome. Uh, people might intimidate you or try to quote-unquote terrorize you to not be there, even if you're there to help out their hospital or whatever. Right. But it's a way to, you know, the, the rich don't ever have to. You mentioned it with, um, we're going way off topic. I, we got to get this back. A lot of people say, Bill Maher mentioned it, he said, why would I go to the the poor areas when he's sitting there talking about the difference right. of the middle class and the poor. Uh, talking about the ultimate, you know, idiot, idiot statement by, by yeah. idiot. First of all, how, how are we doing on time right now? Are we getting close to an hour? Um, we're 54 minutes and 40 seconds. Wow, okay. So we only got really 20, let's say 20 minutes. Um, Jerry, the way I want to finish this is um, we could do a little bit more about violent rhetoric. Uh, just to finish off the, the first topic, and I want to get into games a little bit. Uh, I'm going to say a little something about it, and you know, you follow up. Some of the disgusting little bit, we're, we know what we know about mass shootings. We know what happened on January 6th. We've seen protests and violently, like the one in Charlottesville, where people end up dead, or the one in Wisconsin, where Kyle Brithouse killed a couple of people. Yeah. And yet you still have people, like the moron, that used to be the governor of, of Alaska, Sarah Palin. I'm glad I barely remember her name anymore. And yeah. we have other, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, not only firing guns in their campaign ads, but using these rhetoric about, you better take your country back, it's time to step up and take the take the country back. Right. And they never put in there, like, the way to do it is to vote. The way to do it is this. They never downplay <laughs> yeah. the violent part. It's just like we talk more about the heavy, the heavy metal groups that we love and I love, and they don't downplay their, their listeners' association with Nazism. 
you talked about politicians. What's more, what's, what would be, uh, you know, responsible for a politician to do if what's going on? It would be to reassure the audience and to reiterate that this is, this should not be used. Violent measures should not be used to get this done. It's, it's and they don't want to do that. It's also illegal to, like, you can't, freedom of speech is one thing, First Amendment's one thing, but if you incite riots, it's illegal. Uh, if you if you provoke somebody to commit a violent act, I believe that's illegal. Like Charles Manson never actually physically committed any crimes himself, but he he manipulated people into doing it. Right. So then he that's why he was treated so harshly. So I mean, basically, what you I think what you're leading up to is like Trump, like for the instance, for instance, a couple nights ago, he had a speech. And he started calling everybody, all his his enemies, vermin, which is specifically connected to Hitler. He he rec- he uh, he re- referred to Jewish people and and uh, non Germans as vermin, and so it's like uh, it, it, he's in, he he incites violence all the time. That's one of the biggest uh, concerns with. These these weak ass judges is that like you know people react but it's like no matter what like people will react they 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 love this guy they fucking will uh, they're on you know every, his every word is like it's like a, you know a speech of, of golden knowledge and so yeah it's it's amazing how that's an effective tool right now and in a method to cause harm the words yeah. And you made a good example there of Charles Manson. You know, there's kids these days. When I say kids, they're treating some of these kids as adults, like high school kids that uh, talk people in through social media, even not even face to face, into committing suicide. They do it, and then the person, the other person, is, is has charges against them for whatever that crime is. Yeah, I persuade somebody to commit suicide. So absolutely, it happens. Um, the difference is that they seem to be going more after the kids with the online bullying to grown-up politicians. That, that's what I never understood. It seems like the people that are supposed to be the most responsible are held to the lowest standards. The president of the United States should be held to the highest fucking standard that there is, and it's meant to be held to the lowest. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really quite disgusting. Anyway, okay, so let's, let's get into... Uh, now, Jerry, you didn't really want to include this as part of the episode... I do agree that um, I'm going to talk about games here related to American terrorism. I completely agree that it could be its own subject topic, its own episode. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But if we're talking about American terrorism, using acts of violence to persuade other people to do what you want rather than they want, I can't think of a, well, I shouldn't say I can't think of a bigger example. But if you look at the history of America, games has been... Uh, an enormous piece of the puzzle when you talk about violent terrorism, which terrorism is described as an act of violence against somebody within the same state or within the same country, a like, a quote-unquote like citizen as you. So in other words, not a Muslim, not somebody from North Korea, an American against an American. The only thing I do want to do is, is give us just a little teeny background because when we talk about games, it's different than right-wing, uh, like uh, right-wing militia groups 
and that right militia groups, you know, they very well could be poor, but them being poor doesn't seem to be, at least from what we hear from the reason why they're acting out violently. No. It's usually for a political reason, uh, or, or a reason that they're crazy. So the way the gangs come about is, we've talked all about income inequality, and we talked all about, I think we mentioned, oh boy, something back in the 1960s, the 20s about uh, prohibition, which was an end for people, and this, the whole thing with gangs started with, Every nationality that's come here, you get you're on the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. And back in back in the late 19th century and early 20th century, it was quick, one after the other. Uh, Irish, Italian, German. Then the next, you know, you get a little bit higher up on the pole when you have a wave of, of immigration from the next group. Um, obviously, the one big different factor in there is African Americans because they were forced to come here. Uh, which is different than everyone else. Uh, but gangs comes about, obviously, from the lineage, from people that don't have opportunities. And we talked about what happens when a town doesn't have an opportunity, with cities that don't have other opportunities. What happens, well, in other countries, they call them cartels. And in America, they're called gangs. That's basically resorting to ways to make money because you don't have a natural way to make money. You don't have a uh, community job to go to. You can't get a job at the bank. You can't get a job. You know, the old joke about Irishmen when they first came to the, is you better either be a policeman or in a gang. And mm-hmm. if you were black, you better either be, uh, you know, be a pastor or you better be, at least later on, you better be good at sports, better at entertain whitey, I guess, um, or play jazz or something like that. Mm-hmm. So gangs are coming from a different perspective of how they're created versus violent hate groups. So there is a clear distinction in that regard. Having said that, I think the same way that we get calloused to uh, actual domestic mass shootings. Oh, another 10 people dead today in this shooting, and then a week later, another 6 people dead here, 12 here, 8 here. And then next thing you know, it just becomes a part of the news cycle. Here in Chicago... Um, I know that it's become a part of the news cycle, too. In a lot of the major American cities, you know, 10 shot this weekend, 12 shot this weekend, collateral damage, a two-year-old shot, collateral damage, a six-year-old shot, uh, mother of, of two was shot, and now the kids have to go into different, um, go and live with different people and, and uproot their family. It's a big problem. And it's a problem that every single weekend you can see the statistics here in Chicago to prove that it's, it's a problem. And it's something that I think that people, uh, if you're strong, I mean, if you live in Chicago, there's all kinds of, uh, the, the number one thing about being the mayor is what he has to do about gangs. Now, there's plenty of other problems mm-hmm. here in Chicago besides gangs. That seems to be the number one thing that people hold in on. Uh, in fact, the last mayor Lightfoot got He's a little bit saying we have to eradicate gang members, I think. Right. And people are saying, well, there's a difference between eradicating gangs as opposed to gang members. Right. Um, and this, this is part of what we're talking about. But just a few statistics. Uh, you can use your eyes, you can use your ears, you can watch the news. Uh, but the fact is, is that nationally, and I'm getting this from the, the, a few different websites, 
The FBI has their own website where they calculate statistics. Uh, the nationalgangcenter.gov uh, gets those, all of them get them from the FBI. Some of them get them from local uh, police uh, police departments. They're the only ones that calculate these because they have the, the numbers. Uh, they calculate this with either when the person goes into the, uh, goes to the hospital, they go to the ICU if they're in the emergency room, they go based off family members, they go based off where they are, location, the colors that they wear, the type of weapons that they know are infiltrating certain, uh, communities. There's a lot of different ways, and it's not a perfect science. It's where, right. you know, somebody is in a gang or if they aren't. This is the best, best method we have now. According to the numbers, America, there's 15,000 homicides annually. 2,000 of them are gang-related, versus 13% of all the national homicides. In Chicago, over the last five years, every year is a different statistic. It's been between 43 and 70% of fatal shootings were gang-related. Yeah. And we're talking about, obviously, drugs. We're talking about robberies, burglaries, not even to mention rapes, other forms of violence that are used, and during you know this, uh, the, I haven't talked about it lately, but my wife and I, uh, I am a widow. My wife was a public defender for the city of Chicago. She used to defend, uh, she defended more than a few people that were involved in gang activity, and she didn't have too many nice things to say about, obviously, there's some of these people that she was trying to defend, in fact, I can say all kinds of words of, of what she was described of disgusting animals, but then, you know, she was, uh, black American. Uh, this isn't a white person saying this about, uh, different nationalities. By the way, it's not just black. I mean, the number one gang is a Latin king in Chicago, which is not a black gang. But, um, the numbers are, are horribly high, and still high, and, they, they rotate, sometimes they get a little lower, sometimes they get a little higher, but there's a lot of collateral damage that happens with violence that revolves around gangs, and can some of this be eliminated by legalizing some drugs, making prostitution legal, making gambling legal, we know that sports gambling is now legal, uh, not that, I'm not sure if, how much into gambling Current games are, that's like an old mafia thing, where you get into sports betting. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's big differences of all different types of games, the different nationalities of the games, they get into different rackets, right. basically. Yeah. But, uh, and I, Dirty I know this is a long intro, it's just that, I, based on all of our discussions, I thought this was more of a, me if you wanted to talk about this rather than you. But please feel free to add anything to what I've just said. Um, how it do relate to American terms. Uh, I mean, from my perspective, uh, I agree with you totally. Um, you know, each gang, each gang has a specified niche of, you know, making money, uh, but it's through violent means, you know, dangerous or, you know, of course illegal. But, uh, um, what I want to add too is, <clears throat> so you have, you have a lot of, you know, the ethnic gangs, uh, Mexican Mafia, which is another huge, uh, gang. Uh, 
you have uh, the Black Gorilla family, which is like a prison gang. They're really big. and uh, But the other ones, which are connected to, to, literally connected to terrorism, are like the, uh, the, like the white supremacist groups in prison. Uh, a lot of them are connected to the outside gangs. And also, I want to mention, uh, there's a group, there's a gang called uh, Armenian Power, and there's ties that, that of them to, uh, I want to say, and somebody can look this up themselves, whoever's listening, uh, they're connected to ISIS and, I believe, the Taliban. Um, so there's, you know, there's, there's, there's different, you know, there's different connections, you know, worldwide. Uh, but yeah, you have, but you have like, you know, the Nazi lowriders, you have the, uh, uh, the Aryan Brotherhood, um, you know, the Aryan Nations. I, I believe they're still around or they used to be there with a big connection, but they're connected to like, like the Klan and a lot of militias, uh, you know, which lead to domestic terrorism. There's a history of that. Uh, which now would be like the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys and all that shit, but uh, um, there's just a, it's just it's a bizarre like intertwined circle within the crime community, uh, and, and also you can find connections with uh, you know like Manson was connected to the Aryan Brotherhood, John Gotti was connected to the Aryan Brotherhood, um, and then it's Weird, it's like, uh, you can find, you can find different militias, and I, I sent you information on the group, the base, um, and it's like they're connected with not, you know, justice gangs, but like military, um, it, it's, it's just, it's just, it's crazy, it's like this ongoing thing, I, uh, I should write, I should make a map of it, because it's just, it's bizarre. I mean, it's really bizarre the interconnections that these groups have. Um, it, it, like you wouldn't see, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't, you would think like, well, the Aryan Brotherhood, you know, they hate everybody who isn't white. Well, it isn't true. They work with the Mexican mafia. Those are one of their allies. Um, just like there's some Native American gangs that are connected to. Um, white nationalist gangs. Um, and there are a lot of gangs within the military. Especially back in the eighties and nineties you had you had a lot of gang members who joined uh the military. Uh who were commi- committing violent, you know, crimes while they're serving in the military, you know. So it's it's crazy how a lot of this stuff is, is interconnected and it's uh you know and it, 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 I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much to go further into it, but uh, it's a very intricate uh, system of things. Like you were talking about the Latin Kings. Uh, your wife and I also were talking about how when she was doing, uh, she was she was doing research on them, uh, and she was really surprised how intricate and organized they were. Um, and it's it's just I don't know. It's just it's interesting complicated. Yeah, it's interesting how the higher-ups, kind of like in a business form, try to keep themselves as much disassociated with the lower-tier members 
so they can't get caught up in the RICO statutes. Right. Um, you know, it, it, a story that I shared before, a very unfortunate story, was I used to frequent, I used to live in Oak Park, Illinois, and I used to work at a, I used to manage a coffee shop, a brother's coffee shop, a lesser known version, much lesser known of Starbucks. We're going to get sued. Even lesser known than, what's that? I'm joking, I said we're going to get sued now. <laughs> yeah, well, they're out of business, so they can't do it. Uh, yeah. uh, even less they care for coffee. Uh, very small chain. But anyway, uh, and afterwards, me and my friends would go over to Friday across the street, across from on Harlem Avenue there. And there's a guy that used to bartend and bar back there, especially bar back, a younger kid. He was only 22 or 23. And he was a recent graduate from University of Illinois. And he would go back there every once in a while and sell acid. Oh, he would wow. get like sheets of acid, um, which uh, I don't know what to say about the drug. Uh, I know that it's not hot as far as its seriousness. But well, regardless, uh, he was selling something that people wanted. And uh, he got caught, and he got two years. Uh, two years of hard time to kill the ex. Right. Uh, which at the time, this was like 20, 25 years ago, he's going to be mixed in with the murderers and rapists. Uh, I don't know how they, how much segregation really happened at that time. I know they tried to do this a little bit better now with drugs versus violent criminals. But at the time, me and my friends even joked, like, man, get a swath of compassion, get something. Try to be connected, like if you think, if they think you're connected oh, to you white power the movement and, 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 and in prison, not jail, prison. But if they think you're connected to that, if you think you're going to get it, you could be a way of saving yourself from serious hardships in prison. I don't know whatever happened to the kids, but it just follows along the lines of what we're talking about. Of you go to prison, you better have some kind of backing. Otherwise, yeah, by the way, some kids on the streets. I've heard stories of, of kids getting killed because they wouldn't affiliate themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. They get gang in neighborhood. Right. So, like, you better be a part of us or else if somebody doesn't want to do it, they end up dead or the sister ends up raped. Uh, sometimes both. So, it's sometimes it's, boy, I better do this or the alternate, the alternative is, is not so good for me. Right. So, uh, it's not always by choice. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, all right, I think we've exhausted these topics. How are we doing as far as time? Uh, we're at 114 minutes. Oh, are you sure it's not an hour and 14? That's it. Okay, an hour and 14. So I think we're good. All right. So, all right. Well, um, everybody, this is our uh, episode on American tourism. Hope you liked it. Please leave us uh, comments and suggestions. Uh, on behalf of Dirty Mouth, I am Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys, for checking us out. Yeah. We'll talk to you next.